Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Make sure to start your new year out right by trying America's number one meal kit. Go to hellofresh.com casket10. Link is in the description box to get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the first episode of The Corporate Casket for 2021. My name is Blair, and today we're going to be talking about a highly requested topic, Tranquility Bay. At first, this might not seem like a lot or even scary. I mean, it's called Tranquility Bay for God's sake, but I'm telling you, this is a terrifying private school that abused children in its care. So with that being said, I am putting a general content warning here at the beginning of this today that if you do not want to hear or cannot handle hearing about child abuse to any degree, this is not the episode for you today. I completely respect and understand why this won't be for some of you. And I myself had to take many breaks making this one. But with that being said, we're going to dive right into this and start with what Tranquility Bay was even supposed to be in the first place. Let's get into it. Unlike previous topics like the Dozier School for Boys or the Circle of Hope School for Girls or the upcoming Elon School, Tranquility Bay wasn't located in the US, but in Jamaica. And it also opened more recently than any of them in 1997. Tranquility Bay was part of WASPs. WASP stands for Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. And it was based in the US or more specifically, Utah. They were an umbrella organization that ran a number of schools, Tranquility Bay being one of them. Just looking at the WASP's Wikipedia page, things already do not look very good. Under their lengthy list of facilities, there's Academy at Dundee Ranch, which was raided after an investigation into child abuse. Bell Academy had issues with state social services and Bethel Academy was shut down after reports of abuse as well. Brightway was closed for not providing adequate care as well as abuse, then Casa by the Sea in Mexico was shut down after allegations of abuse too. Mentor School in Costa Rica was reported to have apparent physical, psychological, and verbal mistreatment, and the founder of Midwest Academy in Iowa was later convicted and sent to prison for sexually abusing students. Most of the schools on the list that WASPs operated had severe issues. If it wasn't abuse, it's something else where they just weren't complying with laws. So it isn't just Tranquility Bay that's at fault here, but it's a whole system that's running them. Clearly, if WASP was supposed to monitor and run these schools, they were absolute shit at doing their jobs. Reportedly, Tranquility Bay, though you wouldn't guess it from the name, was the toughest of all of these schools too. And for just a bit of background, so you know the messed up system that we're dealing with here, let's take a look at Tranquility Bay's background according to one writer at The Guardian. Opened in 1997, Tranquility Bay is not a boot camp or a boarding school, but a behavior modification center for 11 to 18 year olds. An American Time Magazine journalist visited in 1998, and since then, no media have been allowed inside. 
With all access denied, there has been little coverage beyond sketchy reports based on hearsay. Even the local community knows almost nothing of what's going on. My discovery of Tranquility Bay came only by accident in 2000 while living nearby, and all my approaches since then were, like with every other media request, firmly rejected. The owner is an American called JK. He doesn't trust the media because they go for sensationalist stuff. Nothing has really presented things in a way that is factual. On the other hand, he believes anyone who saw inside Tranquility would support and admire it and blames criticism on ignorance. So Kay has been in a dilemma. His business is expanding and he is turning his attention to the UK for he believes there is a large untapped market of British parents who would ship their kids straight off to Jamaica if they only knew about Tranquility. The British government too, he hopes, might send him children in its care. If social services was interested at $2,400 a month, I bet they can't offer our services for that. Parents sign a legal contract with Tranquility Bay granting 49% custody rights. It permits the Jamaican staff whose qualifications are not required to exceed a high school education to use whatever physical force they feel necessary to control the child. The contract also waives Tranquility's liability for harm should it befall a child in its care. The cost of sending a child here ranges from $25,000 to $40,000 a year. The article continues to explain that corporal punishment, AKA physical punishment, isn't allowed at the school, which that simply isn't true. And we'll get into that later. Already, I've got some massive concerns here. One of them is the way Kay, the director speaks. He's so eager to get into a foreign market and knowing about the abuse we're about to get into, I can't help but wonder if it's because he wants the children to be further separated from their families. That way it would be hard for parents and relatives to visit and actually see the abuse going on. Another thing that makes me say this is from the same article where it reads that, before sending their teen to tranquility, parents are advised that it might be prudent to keep their plan a secret and employ an approved escort service to break the news. The first most teenagers here of tranquility is therefore when they are woken from their beds at home at 4 a.m. to guards who place them in a van, handcuffed if necessary, drive them to an airport and fly them to Jamaica. The child will not be allowed to speak to his or her parents for up to six months or see them for up to a year. Now, I've never been a fan of this method to say that this is a method to deal with your children, but I will at least say that I understand why parents might feel the need to do this so that their child doesn't run away. Like if I heard I'm getting shipped off somewhere in Jamaica and I'm not gonna see anyone and it essentially sounds like a jail, I might attempt to make plans to run away, just saying. But it's that last sentence about not even being able to speak to their children. That's what's very worrying here. How can the kids report any abuse? After six months or a year has passed, they may feel too scared to talk about it. Six months is a very long time for a child to go without speaking to their parents. And I can't imagine doing that and I'm an adult. However, my second problem that we mentioned is the fact that Tranquility Bay's workers don't need to have training with children. And that's how you get abusive schools like this one in the first place. Hell, even the owner and director didn't have any training with child development. and. Also something that just kind of popped into my mind as like an aside note here. Why would you have children in the first place if all you wanna do is have them woken up by like guards at four in the morning and get them handcuffed, put in a van and sent to Jamaica for like a year without talking to them? That seems so weird that 
you would want children and then do something like this to them. I just, anyway, that that's just something I thought of. It, it just doesn't app. But anyway, let's get back to the JK guy. Before we get too much farther into today's topic, because it is gonna get a little heavy, I wanna take a moment to talk about today's sponsor, HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit where you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those grocery trips and make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. As many of you know, I'm probably considered a workaholic. You can probably tell by how much content I put out on a weekly basis. And it can get really hard spending a day researching or looking into some really dark topics and then still somehow have to find the brain cells to make dinner at the end of the day. And HelloFresh is really helpful with that. Just getting the little reminder saying, hey, your new box is on the way. That is probably one of the greatest feelings in the world. Thinking about how I'm gonna plan out those recipes that I chose out, like love that. And HelloFresh has a lot of flexibility. They have like over 23 recipes that they change out every single week. They change with the seasons and everything. So you're always gonna get something new and interesting to try. And sometimes there's things on there that I would have never even thought to try out. And now I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I am actually capable enough. So if you wanna get started and get your year started off right, go to hellofresh.com casket10 and use code casket10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Again, go to hellofresh.com slash casket10. Use code casket10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. So JK, the man running Tranquility Bay, got the job because he was the son of Wasp's chief director. Here's what The Guardian says. He opened the facility at the age of 27 after four years as administrator of Wasp-run Juvenile Psychiatric Hospital in Utah. Previously, he had been a night guard there and before that, a patrol pump attendant having dropped out of college. He has no qualifications in child development, but considers this unimportant. Experience in this job is better than any degree. Am I an educational expert? No, but I know how to hire people to get the job done. I've got the best job in the world, he claims, but he carries himself like a man who has learned to expect the worst and is seldom disappointed. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with running a mini mart or leaving college, you do what's right for your life, but maybe don't think you're qualified to be a like director of a private school for troubled kids. Like, I don't, I don't know how we like let this happen, but it did happen. And sadly, just as the case was with other schools I've mentioned, there were also really young kids sent there. Many of them needed specialized help, but with no one, not even the director being qualified to give it, Tranquility Bay only did more harm than good. Some of the kids at Tranquility Bay had histories of drug and alcohol abuse, while others were there because of a family crisis, like divorce or the death of a parent. Here's what the New York Times had to say. One such child was Tyler Marshall of Tazewell, Virginia. Tyler was 12 when he was sent to Tranquility Bay, said his cousin, Jeannie Farmer Remines. And he had never been in trouble with the law. Basically, he did not get along with the woman his dad was going to marry. And these types of kids shouldn't be grouped together. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be friends or can't get along or that the ones, you know, struggling with drugs and some really serious problems, like shouldn't be there or whatever, but Dealing with a drug addiction is a far different situation from the death of a parent. So for Tranquility Bay to just step in as a one size fits all sort of program, which offers no professional help to begin with, 
I think it's pretty safe to say that they were in this for the money and nothing else. Unfortunately, all these things combined create a massive recipe for disaster, and that's exactly what happened. It wasn't until the early 2000s, a few years after Tranquility Bay opened, that allegations began to arise. The New York Times released an article titled, Parents Divided Over Jamaica Disciplinary Academy, and boy, was that headline accurate. The thing is, so many of the parents say that it was a lifesaver because it fixed their child, but like, is beating a child into submission and obedience the best road to recovery? I'm not saying that some weren't going down a dark path before, it sure seems that way for a few, but isn't a school that nurtures their positive qualities instead of attempting to beat the living shit out of their addiction a preferable long-term solution? Like whether or not the abuse seemed to work, it's still abuse. Now, the article that was written in 2003 also stated, many who have been there describe a life of pain and fear. They say they spent 13 hours a day for weeks or months on end, lying on their stomachs in an isolated room, their arms repeatedly twisted to the breaking point. Others say the program took them off a road to hell and saved their lives. Tranquility Bay's methods have spawned fierce supporters and critics, none more passionate than the children who have been through the program and the parents who sent them there. The children say their parents have no idea what goes on behind the walls. The parents say program directors tell them to ignore all accusations of abuse. They tell your parents, your son may say he's been beaten, but he's lying. And that to me is the greatest manipulation they pull, said Andrew Emmett, 16 of Washington, Pennsylvania. Enrollment at Tranquility Bay founded in 1996 has grown in the past two years from 140 to 300 youths, most of them 12 to 19 years old. It is becoming a battleground for the warring camps of parents and children, a growing number of whom oppose the program. And I just wanna chime in here really quick to say that even though the New York Times article states they were founded in 1996, all of my other sources say they were founded in 1997, so sorry for the confusion there. But continuing on, the article featured testimony from kids and parents alike. And I'll say this much, rarely do I ever see so many conflicting views within the same article. But here's what was published from that time so you can get a sense of what was being said. Jim Himmelfarb, 18 of Coral Springs, Florida, spent two years at Tranquility Bay. At Christmas, she graduated, as have one in every five enrollees. She grew to love the program. The place saved my life, she said. But soon after leaving, she said she was taking heroin and trying to kill herself with pills. Deborah Stilwell, 49 of Lake Forest Park, Washington, one of the parents who supports the program said it was nothing short of miraculous. It was the best thing we've ever done, said Mrs. Stilwell, whose 16 year old daughter is at Tranquility Bay on Prozac, but off drink and other drugs. Tranquility Bay is not cushy, she said. It's harsh, but it saved her life. Kristen Smith, 46 of Bradenton, Florida, said her son, Zach, 18, had benefited greatly from Tranquility Bay. She said the program was not suitable for children with emotional or psychological problems, although many youths with such problems are there, but for those who had abused drugs or alcohol like her son did. It was the hardest thing we ever did, she said. It's tough, it's hard, and that's what he needed. Absolute strict rules. Other parents call Tranquility Bay a Caribbean gulag, It's like a communist regime, said Julie Wilkinson, 47 of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, whose son, Winston, just returned home from Tranquility Bay. The tragedy is that there is such a desperate outcry for help from kids, from parents who are at their wits end and will do anything. 
Christine Smith, 42, of Flemington, New Jersey, said she sold her home to pay tuition for her son, Thomas Owens, 16. I was doing research on the internet. The worldwide popped up everywhere. It looked good. It really did. She said program officials led her to believe that her son would receive counseling and therapy, but instead, she said, he spent two thirds of his time at Tranquility Bay in isolation. They hurt my son, she said, dramatically. They say the kids manipulate, they lie, they embellish, she said, but so do the program's officials. You're paying Harvard prices and that's okay if it helps the child, she said, but to beat the child, just beat them into submission. If you did this to your child, you would be arrested for child abuse. And I won't pretend that children never lie about abuse. It does happen rarely, but studies have shown that those rights are in the single digit percentiles and it's more likely for a child to be silent about abuse rather than lie about it occurring. Even the parents that in these testimonies endorsed Tranquility Bay admitted that it was harsh or not for those with emotional problems. So then my question is why the hell would Tranquility Bay take in teenagers or children that are only there because their parent or parents died or their parents are getting divorced? It doesn't add up. This place helped some teens and great for them. That shouldn't diminish the others that were hurt by the abuse. I really tried to give everyone and every organization the benefit of the doubt in my videos when I step in and I'll even admit if an MLM has done something good, if it's warranted, but there can be no reason for abusing a child. There's no justification for it. I do not care if Tranquility Bay did what they thought was best for this kid to stop doing drugs. They're not professionals, they have no qualifications, so I hardly think it's their place to make that decision in the first place. Thankfully, many parents did recognize this abuse for what it was, and Tranquility Bay and WASP began facing their fair share of lawsuits. According to Pure, the Parents Universal Resource Experts, WASP began facing some serious accusations in 2004. Some of these accusations were against Tranquility Bay, while others were focused on separate WASP schools. Here's what Pure's site said. A Texas mother whose two sons were sent to Tranquility Bay, a WASP facility in Jamaica, stated that when she picked them up, she saw terror on their faces, ringworm scars, and chemical burns on their bodies. Her children were forced to sleep on plywood beds with soiled mattresses. They had no soap, no toilet paper, no fans, and no hot water. A young girl witnessed the suicide death of Valerie Haran on Valerie's first day at Tranquility Bay in Jamaica. Witnesses say there were no staff present to keep her from climbing up onto the railing, jumping to her death. Girls who witnessed this event were told they would receive counseling to cope with their grief and trauma, but the therapist never arrived. Instead, the girls witnessed this traumatic event were given some pills to cope with their pain. During the night after Valerie's death, she heard staff trying to scrub the bloodstains off the concrete. The next morning, they made the girls line up for headcount directly over the bloodstained X that marked the spot where Valerie landed. J.K., the director of Tranquility Bay and son of Ken J., president of WASP, sat in the courtroom with seemingly no remorse while the defendants presented Primetime's video clip of him admitting, do I have pepper spray? You bet I do. And I haven't had to use it in five and a half or six months. Since the time of this trial, Fox aired an interview with a mother whose son was pepper sprayed by JK and Randall Hinton, an employee at Tranquility Bay on a daily basis for over eight months. Further, his genitals were scrubbed with a toilet brush. 
In an interview, his mother revealed that before being sent to Tranquility Bay, her son was a 4.0 student and a good boy. He turned to drugs when she and his father divorced, which resulted in her turning to WASP for help. She stated, my son suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder as a direct result of the abuse he suffered at Tranquility Bay. He had a breakdown and spent two years in a mental hospital. He is now 24 years old and still living at home. He has had repeated nightmares for years on at least a weekly basis, if not more. Just last week, he screamed out in his sleep, Randall, why are you doing this to me? I can personally attest that my child was far worse when he returned from the immersion of abuse and neglect at Tranquility Bay than before he entered this so-called children's program. And this this is pretty tough to read. It's stunning in a horrific way. I really don't have the words for this. The lawsuits against wasps were really starting to stack up at the time and continued for years. There's a website called Wasp Survivors that went into the joint action lawsuit against Wasp years later too. Here's what it said. Hundreds of parents claim a group of boarding schools tortured their children, locked them in dog cages, forced them to lie in feces and eat vomit, masturbated them and denied the troubled teens any religion except for the Mormon faith. The Utah-based Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools and its owners, Robert Litchfield, Brent Facer, and Ken Kay went to great lengths to hide the torture, which began in the mid-1990s and continued for a decade. The 357 plaintiffs claim in Salt Lake County Court. The plaintiffs say that 59 schools and owners tied to the company jointly promoted, advertised, and marketed defendants' residential boarding schools as a place where children with problems could get an education while receiving instruction and direction in behavior modification for emotional growth and personal development. Tranquility Bay being under the WASP umbrella was part of that lawsuit. There was a 119 page complaint against them. And according to one source, many of these lawsuits were handled out of court. There have been victories in the courtroom as well though. Pure wrote, in addition to defeating wasps in a jury trial in Utah, Pure and founder Sue Chef won an unprecedented $11.3 million jury verdict for internet defamation. Despite being vindicated at a jury trial for damages in September, 2006, Many of the attacks on Sue Chef and Pure continue out of malice and spite. It seems when you can't defeat someone legally, many are taking their revenge online. Wasp continues to consider Chef a disgruntled parent and she is the first one to agree. However, she has also decided to move forward from it by helping others avoid the same mistake. And no fucking kidding here, I'd be more than just disgruntled if I were Sue and discovered my children had been abused by these fucking people. Now we'll get to talking about Tranquility Bay specifically again in a moment. However, for now they were under the WASP control. So as allegations of abuse rolled in, whether it was about Tranquility Bay or other schools, WASP did begin to suffer and deservedly so. According to one source, however, when one facility shut down, students were simply transferred from one location to another, never truly escaping the WASP umbrella. Here's what they explain. Program managers and staff sometimes move from one program to another or start a new program after one closes down. In one of the best publicized examples, Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools Facilities relocated some of its students to the WASP-affiliated Spring Creek Lodge Academy outside Thompson Falls after the Mexican government closed WASP programs in that country in 2004 following allegations of misconduct, according to a 2013 class action lawsuit Turley v. WASP filed in Utah. 
Spring Creek Lodge closed in 2009, five years after 16-year-old Carly Newman killed herself there. Turley V. Wasp noted Spring Creek's enrollment dropped from 400 to 108, and other Wasp program enrollment declined drastically after Newman killed herself. The relationships between Spring Creek and other programs were also outlined in a separate lawsuit Judith Newman filed in 2006 after her daughter's suicide. The Pullins worked at Spring Creek with Michelle Mickey Manning, who was principal there. She went on to work at three other programs before establishing her own called Reflections. Since October, three separate lawsuits have been filed against Reflections, two of which allege that Manning steered girls towards a transitional program run by Chafin Pullen, who allegedly had inappropriate physical contact with the girls. Manning at a recent PAARP meeting said she is seeking to open two new locations for Reflections. This is one of the many reasons I think it's so, so important for parents to do thorough, thorough research before sending their kids to a private school like these. Even though a horrible school may look shut down, unfortunately, that doesn't mean things are over. I really hate to think that what may have happened at some of these places, especially once they took in program managers that have proven to work at other abusive schools, like they continue doing that thing at the new school now. One example that truly sickens me is when Steve Fairbank, who worked at the Building Bridges program, admitted to sexually assaulting a 17-year-old girl. He took pictures of her in a bikini, made suggestive comments towards her, and as the source states, fondled her breasts and buttocks. The Building Bridges program not long afterwards became an all-male program. Steve's lovely wife, and I say that with as much sarcasm as possible, said that Building Bridges intended to go all-male all along. The accusations only helped move things along. And I'm sorry, but like, fuck you, Jill. Fuck anyone who says that. Her husband's sexual assault simply helped move things along to an all-male program. She apparently says she still has trust in him because she knows that he is all about their children, which again, like, I'm sorry, but, but fuck you and fuck that. The way that wasps handle things is a joke. You do not cater to a child predator. You fire them and you keep them away from children forever. Why is that something that is so difficult to understand here? It's appalling and infuriating, and yet it's gonna get worse. Now, Wasp was apparently real sick and tired of people attacking them, so they started suing people for defamation. Thankfully and mercifully, this didn't work. One court document in May, 2005 reads, Plaintiff Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools and Association of Specialty Schools for Troubled Teens filed this diversity case alleging defamation and intentional interference with prospective economic advantage. The district court granted defendant Thomas G. Houlihan's motion for dismissal based on lack of personal jurisdiction, we affirm. So yeah, take your defamation suits elsewhere. Things finally began to change for the better, the worse for Wasp, but the better for literally everyone else, if you ask me. According to the Desert News in 2005, the allegations of abuse and questions about the facility's credentials, all of which Wasp President Ken Kay denies or says are overblown, have sparked investigations in numerous states, prompted closures of some facilities and led Representative George Miller, Democrat of California, to call for federal legislation invoking more oversight. It was Miller, the senior Democrat on the Education and Workforce Committee who demanded in 2003 that then Attorney General John Ashcroft investigate WASPs. 
The request made again last year never gained much traction. So Miller is now pushing for passage of the End Institutional Abuse Against Children Act, which among other things would establish federal civil and criminal penalties for abuse against children in residential treatment programs and expand federal regulatory authority to overseas programs operated by US companies. Miller's legislation is one but of many recent actions involving WASPs around the country. In New York, the organization's academy at Ivy Ridge had its accreditation suspended last week in the wake of a New York Attorney General Office investigation that is probing the school's licensing and educational credentials. A subpoena was issued in February, gathering numerous documents for an ongoing probe, an investigation Kay characterizes as a lack of communication between Ivy Ridge and state officials. Whatever the case, Ivy Ridge's accreditation was suspended by the Northwest Association of Accredited Schools in Boise, and the school put a disclaimer on its website, listing its lack of accreditation and detailing its negotiations with state educational officials to offer sanctioned diplomas. And there is just so, so much evidence stacked against these people. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Make sure to start your new year out right by trying America's number one meal kit. Go to hellofresh.com slash casket10. Link is in the description box to get started. Two men contracted to transport a teenager to Ivy Ridge faced misdemeanor assault and felony imprisonment charges after beating the teen while handcuffed in the car. So I guess they really did do the whole wake the kid up at 4 a.m. and handcuff them and throw them in the back of a van thing. That's terrifying, but this isn't done yet. The teen, which I'm guessing out of desperation and fear, grabbed the steering wheel and caused the vehicle to crash. Wass also sued Shelby Earnshaw, her husband, and the International Survivors Action Committee simply for acting as a teen help industry watchdog. Wasps alleged that they interfered with their prospective economic advantage. In Mississippi, riots left seven teenagers injured and the Majestic Ranch facility was investigated by a children's advisory group after allegations of abuse and unsanitary conditions. It wasn't even until 2006 when Ken Kay finally released a statement about all of these accusations piling up against them and the lawsuit filed at that time. Now I am going to read the statement word for word in its entirety. So you guys know I didn't try to take any of this out of context because you're going to have to just, just listen to this. This lawsuit has been orchestrated by a competitor of WASPs. The allegations are preposterous. WASP members programs have successfully served over 10,000 teens and families. We have a high parent satisfaction rate and have received thousands of reference letters. For the most part, these allegations are made by a few former students who have very troubled histories. They will be countered by numerous other students and student leaders familiar with these particular students and their situations. We are pleased that also testifying on behalf of the program will be many of the nurses, teachers, staff members, social workers, doctors, and other independent professionals who have all worked with or who have provided services to these students. All of these people are under strict legal and professional obligation to report any mistreatment or abuse, such as what is being claimed by this small group of former students. Further testifying on behalf of the program will be numerous parents and independent review agencies that will have personally inspected, reviewed, and questioned students at the facilities. WASP looks forward to clearing our name in this action and will most likely counter sue. So that's the statement. 
Glad we took that all in. Now let's continue. The lawsuits that were filed by concerned parents and organizations for child and teen welfare were not his competitors. And I don't really care if they had millions of reference letters or positive reviews. They had unqualified people looking after kids and clearly enough complaints, allegations, and most importantly, evidence to shut these places down. If everyone was truly lying, then why was school after school after school continually shut down for some sort of abuse? There was enough proof to discredit Ken K's entire statement in just the little bit of information I gave you guys earlier. However, he didn't last long either because finally WASP officials now report that the organization isn't in business and any facilities under it no longer associate with that name. Apparently it's only because of ongoing litigation that they haven't dissolved completely. But let's go back to Tranquility Bay. What happened to it? I know I went off on a small tangent here about WASP, but since they were responsible for handling these complaints and the sort of like higher ups there, I kind of felt it relevant to talk about. For a while, Tranquility Bay, if anything, seemed like it was going well or as well as something like this could go. In Grand Cayman, judges sent troubled teens there, even though concerns started to arise about how much they were actually helping. After all, a lot of the therapy used at the WASP programs was similar to the Elan School with attack therapy. According to one source, WASP model programs often employ policies which are unsafe and unethical and which would be considered malpractice in other treatment facilities. In addition to communication and bathroom access restrictions, students are regularly denied access to medical care because staff are trained to assume that their charges are faking illness in order to get out of the program or for other manipulative reasons. These neglectful policies can lead to the death of children in these facilities, an occurrence that has unfortunately and tragically happened many times in the past. Restraints and seclusion are often misused as punishment and carried out in such a violent manner that serious injuries are inflicted and students may suffer lifetime physiological consequences and psychological trauma. Deaths by asphyxiation, heart failure, suffocation have resulted from improperly administered restraints by the type used at WASP. But it wasn't until one teenager's experience gained national attention that Tranquility Bay finally had to own up to its actions. In 2008, the New York Daily News explained, Isaac Hirsch, 16, landed at Teterboro Airport in New Jersey Friday after his father was persuaded to let him leave Tranquility Bay, a private reform school. Relieved is not the word, said Zvi Gluck, a Queens financial worker. The entire way home, he was describing the atrocities that were happening there. Gluck was only one of a handful of Orthodox men who was jetted to Jamaica on Wednesday to try and fetch the teen and was briefly detained until Isaac's father agreed to his release. The ending capped a dramatic week when some members of Isaac's tight-knit community took the unusual step of publicizing his case. The teen who had been living with an Orthodox Texas family in an informal foster situation had been brought back to Brooklyn by his parents last June and then shipped off to Tranquility Bay. The family that had been caring for Isaac had no idea where he was until about three weeks ago and became worried that he was living in a facility that had been accused of abuse. Isaac told Gluck and others that he was beaten and forced to lie on a mat with his hands and feet tied as punishment for minor infractions. The story so divided the religious community that Isaac's father, Michael Hirsch, was forced to take a leave of absence from his job as CEO of Hasala, the large Brooklyn-based volunteer ambulance corps. Hirsch's lawyer did not respond to requests for comment yesterday. Friends of the Hirsch family described Isaac as a troubled teen who had clashed with his parents for years. Other described him as a normal teen. He's living in an undisclosed location while custody arrangements are worked out. 
Isaac's situation at home may have been an unusual one, but there's no mention of him having any sort of addiction. It seems like he was simply sent there so he would be out of the way. The lawsuit against Tranquility Bay came shortly afterwards and so did the negative attention that Tranquility Bay had been trying to avoid for all these years. Gluck even stated, the only complaint that I have is that the people on the Hirsch side didn't do their homework on allowing a young fragile boy to be sent to a place as horrific as Tranquility Bay, which he said is used as an alternative to jail for some island nations. Isaac told us that some of his fellow detainees were murderers, rapists, and drug dealers who were serving out their sentences in that facility. As horrible as it is that Isaac suffered there, he was at least freed, and the media attention on this case is what finally helped in shutting down Tranquility Bay a year later in 2009. Between Isaac's case and the bad economy at the time, many parents not only stopped wanting to send their kids to places like this with a bad reputation, but they couldn't afford to either. I'm sure that's of minimal comfort to those who suffered there or to the families and parents of those who died there. Overall, I am pleased that Tranquility Bay was finally shut down and deeply disturbed by what these children had to endure there because Tranquility Bay is far more recent than the Dozier or Elon schools. Circle of Hope is the only one that's more recent, but I know that these wounds are super fresh still. And I hope that the people involved in this that were hurt by this situation can find closure soon. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I know this was a very dark video and a very dark way to start 2020, but I feel that this type of information is important to put out to the world so more people can be aware of these abuses and these types of atrocities. If you're new here and you'd like to hear more regular updates about the bad things businesses do, make sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. I upload every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you get to hear all sorts of interesting, although sometimes depressing facts three times a week. If you wanna connect with me outside of here, you can check out my Twitch, any of my social media, all of that stuff is all Illuminati, just like the title of the podcast. Thank you all for making it to another episode of The Corporate Casket. I love you guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.